0: Hello, and welcome to Embassy City Church Podcast. This is a place where all people can experience the love of God through the Word of God. Our prayer is that you will be inspired and transformed. Thank you for joining us today. You ready for a word? Let's get into the Word. Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. When you have it, say, I got it. I got it. Still search and say, wait for me. All right. All right. Just don't be in Leviticus because it starts with an L and acting like you in Luke, all right? Get over there to Luke, all right? You know how we do as church people. The person looking and says, it starts with an L, they think we're there. No. Let's get over to Luke. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, the owner, to push into the water. So he uh, sat in the boat and uh, taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I will let down the net again and this time their nets were so full of fish they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the boat and soon both boats were filled with fish on the verge of sinking. When Simon realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I am too much of a sinner to be around you. For he, has, for he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught. As were the others with him. His partners, James, John, son of Zebedee, were all amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. I want to teach today there's plenty of fish in the sea. There's plenty of fish in the sea. I think that one of the biggest mistakes that we make as Christians is trying to do God's thing our way. The biggest challenge is because if you're really saved, you want God to be pleased. You want the things of God to happen in your life. You want the things of God to happen in your family's life. You want God's thing to be done. But it's always a challenge. God, I want you to do me, do you my way. Because when we find out that we want a blessing from God and God says, surely I'll bless you. Surely I'll give you whatever you want. I will give you the desires of your heart. We're like, yes, God, thank you. The desires of my heart is everything I want. Thank you so much. And then God says, but this is how we're going to get there. And it's like, well, wait a minute, God, I just wanted you to give me the desires of my heart. I didn't want to have to lose anything to get the desire. I didn't want to have to uh, I didn't want to have to replace friends to get this desire. I wanted everything. Do you know, Embassy, that there are some blessings God cannot give you that he really wants to, but he can't because the people around you are like parasites? Do you know that there are people in your life, in your circle, that God is saying, if I bless them the way I want to bless them now, they'll never receive the blessing because what they're around will eat it before they can experience it. Hallelujah. There, there, there is, there is. There, see, God is not ever waiting to 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 really uh, open up a door for you. Doors are open. The, the the issue is sometimes our eyes are closed, and our eyes are so closed, and, and the our eyes never close to the miracle. Our eyes are closed to what we have to do to get to the miracle. You see. Most of the time, God is really waiting on you. One one of the things that really uh, was so masterful about Jesus is when he first met the disciples, he said, uh, follow me. Follow me. These these words are awesome. Follow me and I will make you. Hmm. Follow me and I will make you something you're not right now. See, pay attention to words. Follow me. He didn't say meet me there. He said follow me. When I was younger, um, my father, he would always, every morning, he would go get a cup of coffee and, and go get a newspaper, and, and he would go hang out with his, his buddies on the corner up there on Wadsworth Avenue in Philadelphia, and, and he would go every morning and go, go do this. And then when he got a little older, and it was cold outside, he would say, son, um, go get uh, my paper and my coffee for me. Fine. I was about 16, 17 years old. I would jump in the car. I would drive up to Wadsworth Avenue, get the coffee, get the paper, come home, and say, dad, here it is. Dad would say, thanks, but I said, dad, thanks, but what? You got your coffee? You got your paper? He said, how'd you get there? I said, I drove. He said, son, I didn't want you to drive. Wait a minute, dad. You told me you wanted coffee and a paper. I got coffee and I got a paper. What's the problem? He said, son, but but when I walk up there, I check on Miss Noth, the neighbor, to see how she's doing. And, and when I walk up there, I, I check on a Mr. Smith and I see how he's doing and, and I make sure that the drug dealers ain't out there acting up. And then when I walk over here and by the time I get back, I done greeted 10 people and I done checked on some people and I dropped a seed to bless some people. He said, son, say, see, you are such in a rush to get what you thought I wanted that you missed the process of getting to what I wanted. Isn't it something how we sometimes want a thing so bad that we miss what it means to get the things we need on the way to the thing? What I want you to see in Busy City is the thing is never a miracle. When I was a young preacher, I would sneak up on a text and try to woo you somewhere, but I'm old and I'm tired now, so I don't try to sneak up on anything. And this is a word church, so we don't have to sneak up on nothing, amen? Let me show you the miracle here. The miracle Then we all know there's plenty of fish in the sea. Fish are there. So why then when we read scriptures like this where a whole bunch of fish got in the net, got in the fisherman's net, we say, thank God, that's the miracle. How? How is it a miracle to catch fish if you're a fisherman and you're in the sea? It's not it's not it's not it's not a surprise that you catch fish, not only that these boys weren't uh they didn't just learn how to be fishermen yesterday and just went out there. no, they were fishermen all their life. you got to understand that this was the, the 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 job to have in this day. if you knew how to fish, you could feed your family forever. There were people that were rich, these boys knew what they were doing from from little boys, they grew up to be fishermen, they knew what they were doing, so to catch fish was nothing and I think sometimes we miss. Manage the word of God and we miss what it means in our life because we think just getting blessed is the blessing Getting blessed is not the blessing if you can't handle the blessing you desire Are you blessed if you can't keep what God gave you? Are you blessed if you can't hold on to it? Let me tell you are you blessed if you can't transfer it to another person? See, everybody, hallelujah, I feel like teaching. Everybody, can I teach like I feel? I'm an old Philly boy. Everybody wants a blessing, but sometimes we can't handle what it means to be blessed. See, what it means to be blessed is to know how to manage your life, manage your emotions, manage who you are, manage who you're going to be no matter what's going on in your life. Managing, can you manage a miracle or do you just want one? Because if we check the room right now, and I believe this is an honest church there, many of us have been blessed. But we're not blessed as we could be because we couldn't handle what God gave us when he gave it to us. You know, sometimes we think God is being a mean daddy by holding some blessings back. God, why? come on, God, you know I need this. And God says, I really want to give it to you, but I know you would ruin it because of the way you are right now. See, see these boys in this story, they're fishing. They're doing their job. They're doing what they always knew how to do. And then all of a sudden, this man that they don't know comes out of nowhere and says, hey, let me teach on your boat. Let me teach, but but, but I I don't want to teach here. I need you to go out where it's deep. And, 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 I, and, then, and then I need you to drop your net again. And, and Peter said to Jesus, we've, we've done this all night, and we've caught nothing. I, I want to check the, the room right now to see whether there's anybody here who's ever been done. I, I, you, you. <laughs> done. I'm not talking about tired. I'm not talking about frustrated. I'm talking about Done. Just done. You, you don't feel like coming to church. You don't feel like having a conversation with anybody. You don't feel like encouraging anybody. You don't. You're just done. You, you're washing your net. You're done. But you know what? something about Jesus was frustrating about Jesus? We, we can say this. Anybody have been frustrated with God? OK. Uh, uh, frustrated, frustrated that, that Jesus always seems to show up and ask you to do more just at the place when you are I mean, you could have, Jesus, listen, man, you could have asked me for this when I felt like going on, when I was encouraged, when I had a prayer life, when I was on top of the game. I mean, my hands were going up in worship. I mean, everything was everything. You could have came when I felt like it. God, help me preach Holy Spirit. You could have came when I was on it, when I felt like being in it, but you come at the place when I'm done and you know what the Lord says, good, because that's the place I can start. The place where you're done, the place where you've given up, the place where you realize that you don't have enough when I have everything. I'm glad you're done. I'm glad you're done. I'm glad you're done because, because you were too involved. I'm glad you're done. I'm glad you're tired. So you can stop praying them tired prayers. (laughs) Stop being selfish in your spirituality. I'm glad you're done. I'm glad you're finished. I'm glad you're done right here because you being done is just where I can start. Thank God you gave up. Thank God you gave in right where you gave in. Because if you had gone on a little further, you might have, like the old man said, gone too far, stayed too long and came back too late. Thank God that things fell apart when they did. My God, thank God that things didn't go the way you wanted them to go. See, there's a praise you can give God for giving you blessings. There's another praise you can give God for the times he didn't let it work and didn't let it work out and let everything fall apart. Thank God that it fell apart. You needed it to fall apart so God can get started on your life. What is he doing? He's starting something in my life. Losing friends because he's starting something in my life. Relationships falling apart because he's starting something in my life. Ministries going up and down because he's starting something in my life. I was five years ago. The Lord said, retire from pastoring and I'm going to take you. I'm going to take you and evangelize the world like you used to. At this point, I had been pastoring the church since I was 19 years old. I didn't know any other thing. I was afraid. See, I'm not one of those preachers that'll tell you God said so, and I said, yes, Jesus. <laughs> Aren't y'all tired of them preachers? They always got a story about how he said yes, and y'all all sitting there saying, well, how'd he say yes? Because I never do. I ain't one of those. The Lord said, you need to retire. And I said, well, Lord, no. And you know what's what's something about God? He never tells you about the middle of a thing. That's how you know the difference between the voice of God and the voice of Satan. Satan Satan always tells you about the process. God never tells you about the process. He tells you about the beginning and the end of a thing. Satan always tells you about the middle, how good it's going to be. Jesus says, I'm going to start you and I'm going to bring you through. That's all I'm going to tell you. And see, that's going to take your faith to start a thing when you don't know where you're going. (laughs) Abraham, just start walking. Where am I going? I'll tell you why you walk. Jesus healed the the, the men with leprosy. He said, I ain't going to bless you now. Just start walking. You'll be blessed by the time you get where you got to go. Sometimes, embassy, my God, sometimes you just got to start walking. And when you start walking, you'll find the process of God somewhere in there. I didn't know what I was doing. I said, God, I can't do this. I don't know what to do. And God said, fine. You don't want to do it? Fine. I said, fine. See, when you have a real relationship with God, y'all have arguments sometimes. He always wins. Don't, don't get it twisted. You will never win an argument with God. But you can have one. One thing I know about God, he never yells, never screams. Anytime God is, gets frustrated with you, he just, be, he just gets quiet. I said, God, I'm not doing it. He said, that's okay. And then all of a sudden, I start losing everything. No money. No joy. No happiness nothing had nothing couldn't find anything anywhere nothing but I'm preaching it. I'm telling people how good God is and I can't find his goodness I'm telling about his mercy but I can't find his mercy but he's helping me. Hallelujah. He's helping me communicate it with power, but not feeling anything. And times where I would preach to thousands and go back to the hotel room and couldn't feel the God. I just talked about him. Couldn't feel the God. I just laid hands on faith. I couldn't find it. God hid himself from me. Sometimes God will hide himself from you, not because he's a mean father. Sometimes God will hide himself from you to force you into a different worship. Y'all remember the woman with the uh, the woman in Song of Solomon the Bible says she was laying there and her lover was laying there all night Her lover got up and left the room and the Bible says she looked and reached for her lover in the middle of the night She got up. She couldn't stand that he wasn't there She wrapped herself in, in a robe and ran out in the street screaming. Have you seen my lover? Isn't it something when you really want God you'll get up from your comforts and you'll find where God is and sometimes God will move Not to make you mad, but to force you to find him in another way. You're so used to waving your hand, but sometimes God wants a tear. You're so used to jumping up and down. Sometimes God wants you to lay on your face. God is trying to change you by moving his position in your life. I had nothing. And I said, God, what are you doing? He said, waiting for you to obey me. And I'll keep on blessing people through your life, but you'll never feel the blessing until you obey me. Everything. The last thing God took was my health. He kept me and took my health. I was sick, so sick. It's a number in your body called a creatinine number. That number was supposed to be between 0.1 and 1. Mine went all the way up to 24. And the doctor said, we only saw one man live. and His number was 22, but he died within six months. He came around the corner with a clipboard and he said, are you Mr. Winters? I said, yes. He said, are you sure? I said, yes. He said, I thought I was going around this corner and see a dead man. He said, you need to lay down. He put my family out. He said, you need six blood transfusions. He said, your whole body is failing from the inside. I'm surprised you're not dead yet. But I was walking around preaching and traveling sick and God was keeping me. Next thing I know, at, at, at 37 years old, I'm on a dialysis machine and, and still traveling and preaching and blood pressure dropping to 80-something, over 50-something, and I'm weebling and wobbling through airports. Can I preach like I feel today? Weebling and wobbling through airports trying to get to tell people about God's goodness. And God said, I'll heal you if you obey me. My God, hallelujah, I'll heal you if you obey me. And I finally wrote that that letter to the church and told them, this is it. This is where God wants me. I got to go. I know it might break your heart, but I cannot stay in a place that makes you comfortable when God is uncomfortable. Hallelujah. I cannot stay in a place that makes you smile when God is frowning. Do you know there are some people that need you in certain places that God wants you out of? Hallelujah. And they will try to guilt you and sustain in things when God got a whole nother place for you to be. I wrote that letter and all of a sudden my joy came back and my peace came back and my happiness came back. And I said, well, God, if you're going to give me that, then you got to give me my health back. And God said, I need you to do one more thing. I need you to know that I didn't sit you in a dialysis center. Hallelujah, because you're sick. I set you in a dialysis center because I need my glory there. I said, God, what does that mean? Next thing I know, I go in and the lady says, Christian, they said I was going to die. The lady was about to stick two needles in my arm. I said, wait a minute. I got to pray for her first. I go over to the other chair and I lay hands on the lady. And then the man said, did you just pray for Miss Amos? I said, Yes, he said, Christian, come over here and pray for me. I'm over there now. I'm laying hands all throughout the dialysis center. God said, I put you there because I need my glory somewhere. And I need you to pay more attention to what I'm doing through you than what you're going, what you're going, what's happening to you. Hallelujah. I sat back down in that chair, let that lady put me. I praised God all the way through. Hallelujah. Do you hear what I'm saying? And God said, I'll bless you. Embassy City, I've taken some losses Because sometimes you got to lose to win I Lost my mama at 62, I lost my father at 59. I preached their funerals. I lost a daughter at four months, carried her casket to the whole all by myself. Lord, have mercy, because he wanted to take me through some things. I said, God, are you trying to kill me? My God. He said, no, no, no. You'll see what I'm trying to do. I had a prophecy. One of my best friends, God is going to do a miracle in your life by the time you turn 40. I said, baby girl, I don't know if I'm going to make 40. And then yesterday I turned 40. (laughs) Hallelujah. I talked to Tim a few weeks ago. I said, Tim, you won't believe this. He said, what? I said, I got a prophecy that God was going to turn everything around. He was going to justify everything he did in my life by the time I'm 40. I said, and then you call me and invite me to come preach to your church the day after I turn 40. I said, Embassy City gets to see a new Christian winner that, that the world has never seen before. You hear what I'm saying? <laughs> Do you know a few weeks ago I got a phone call? I called my, my, uh, my coordinator, my, my kidney uh, coordinator, and, and she said, uh, Christian, you need a miracle. She said, because your blood type is hard. She said, "I don't know if you're gonna be able to get a, a, a kidney, but, but by eight years, you're gonna to have to probably wait eight years." I knew I had prayed that God would do it by the time I turned 40, so I didn't get afraid. I said, "Okay, God, you'll do what you gotta do." And, and, and I said, "Okay." I hung up. I said, "God bless you." She said, "God." She said, "How can you say God bless? How, why?" She said, "Why do you sound so happy?" I said, "I know what I asked God for." I got a phone call the next day. A woman I preached in a church up in Rochester, New York, about 10 years ago. She said, "I heard you were sick." I said, "Yeah." She said, "You don't look sick." I said, "What I'm supposed to look like?" <laughs> (laughs) supposed to look sick I'm supposed to look well she said Christian I want to give you a kidney I said wait a minute I said wait a minute she said now she said don't tell me no cuz I know you you're gonna tell me no I said yes I'm gonna tell you no she said no you're gonna tell me yes I said no I'm gonna tell you no she said give me your coordinators phone number I said fine (laughs) I said she ain't gonna be no match she called my coordinator. My coordinator called me, Kristen. This lady called me. I said, yeah, I told her to. She's a perfect match. I said, what? Perfect match? We're gonna fly her up here and do all the testing. They flew her up and a few weeks ago, did all her testing. And She passed every test. And the surgeon called us three days ago and said, January 3rd, yeah. hallelujah. Yeah. hallelujah. We're going to put a new kidney in your body and I'll be able to go back to Africa and South America and all these places and Australia and all these places God sent me before. I haven't been able to go back. I said, God, if you give me my body back, I'll pick up the work again. God said, I'll give you everything, but the miracle was not the kidney. Sit down for y'all make me preach. I just said all that to say this here. The miracle is not the kidney. Just like the miracle is not the fish. Oh. That money you want, that ain't the miracle. That new boo you want, nope. Oh. Somebody say, no, no, Pastor, he is a miracle. <laughs> nope, he's not the miracle. Mm The miracle is when Jesus got on a boat that had nothing, that was washing its nets, was done. And for him, I'm almost done. For a carpenter to get on the boat with fishermen, he grew up building benches. Drake grew up fishing and God sent a carpenter who never caught a fish to tell fishermen how to be blessed. See, the miracle is not the fish. The miracle is how do I get fishermen to listen to a carpenter? How do I get people that swear they know what they're doing? And some of us swear we know what we're doing. You are so convinced that you know how to get something done that's not working. And you're trying all night. You're trying just like these fishermen trying and trying and trying to the point where they got done. And Jesus got on their boat and said, let me teach you something. And he got on their boat and got to teaching. And they said, wait a minute, that's a good word, but how are we going to catch some fish? He said, "I'll oh, drop the net down. They said, man, we worked all night, caught nothing, Drop the net down. They start catching fish. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Thank God for all these fish. Forget the fish, embassy. There's plenty of fish in the sea. How can I change the mind of a man or a woman that's convinced they know what they're doing? How can I convince a married couple that swear they know how to be married that they really don't know? How do I convince a single person this is how you prepare for a, for a mate? This is how. How, how, when you think that going on some dating site is the way of God. And God's like, no, I just want you to sit in the house and I need you to read a couple books and drink some tea by yourself. Or, or people that are addicted to self-help books and, and God is saying, I can't help you because you're stuck on that book. I want to help you. I want to give you a word that's not in that book. How do I change the mind of a person that is convinced they know what they're doing? The miracle is never what you're waiting for. The miracle is when God is waiting for you to change your approach to life how do I change my approach to life? Some of you just came out. We just all came out the holidays. You're around sometimes some hard family members. And you're like, God, I want you to save my cousin. God said, no, that's not the miracle. The miracle is for you to be kind to somebody who's never been kind to you. That's the miracle. I'll save them if you get kind. You notice we want want the responsibility, everything on everybody else. And God is saying, no, as my son and my daughter, the responsibility is always on you. I'll save them tomorrow if you learn how to be kind to them. I'll change your attitude. I, I, I don't know who this word is for, for, for some young ladies in here. I'll change your attitude toward men if you forgive your father. You, you want to be married, young lady? The, 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 the new husband is not the miracle. It's you forgiving your father. That's the miracle. I'm just trying to help you think today. Because as church people, and you don't do it here because you have a really great teaching pastor. But as Christians, sometimes we grew up in twisted theology. That we want to judge everything by the miracles. And we're so twisted that we think miracles are everything that they're not. I mean, a house is not a miracle. The ability to work your funds is the miracle. A new car, that's not the miracle. They make cars every day. The ability to stop spending so crazy, that's the miracle. Do you hear what I'm saying? There are simple adjustments that you can make in your life today that what you thought it was hard for God to do becomes easy because it's not the thing that God wants to do for you. It's the heart in you that God needs to change. I sense that there are some marriages in here that can change today. If God can change your mind. Some of you have hard relationships with your children. God can change it today. If you change your mind. There's some rough spots in your life. Dealing with anxieties and depressions and all kinds of mental issues that we deal with. God said your peace is right on the other side of changing your mind. The miracle it's how do I get a person that's professional in something to listen to another voice. Yeah. When I lost my child, I was in Zimbabwe a few weeks later preaching in a soccer stadium and a woman came up to me with a little baby girl. And she pushes that baby girl in my arms. She said, Baba, 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 pray, 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 baby, pray. This baby was turning blue. She said, Baba, pray. I couldn't take the baby. Because my baby, Lydia, was four months old, baby girl. And the last time I held a baby and wanted God to bring her back, she died in my arms. It messed with my faith. And when she came and put that, I said, how old is that baby? She said, four months, four months. Nope. I said, no, no. She said, bye-bye, bye ba," And the Holy Spirit said, take the baby. I said, God, I can't. I took that baby. After arguing with God, I couldn't find words, so I just cried on top of that baby. And no tears hit that baby. And I watched that baby jump in my arms. And I watched color come back in that baby's body. And I gave that baby, healed baby back to her mama and God, hallelujah. God told me, son, there's nothing that you obey me for. I won't justify the pain you went through. Had a young man at my former church. His mama had cancer. My mom was a beautiful woman. She went to the hospital and the doctor said, she said, I'm just having pain on my side. I'm driving to the hospital and the God, God told me your mama's gonna die. I said, but God, she, she just said, she, she just said, pain. She said, I'm gonna take your mama. Ten months later, my mother was gone boy named Byron came to me. He said, my mama's going to die. I said, of what? Cancer. At that point, God, it took the fear of death out of my prayer life. I went and laid my hands on that lady and I watched health come back in that lady's body. She's still living right now. Ain't no, this is not about us being powerful. It's about us being obedient. See, the days of touching your neighbor and a blessings going to come and all the church nonsense we feed each other to make each other psychologically get over our inability to obey God. That's all it is. I can disobey God all week long. And if I get to church and I touch my neighbor and say a blessings on the way, I psych myself out to say, even though I haven't obeyed God all week, a blessings on the way. No, it's not. There's a blessing on the way when you allow God to process you. There's a blessing on the way when you tell God yes in hard places. There's a blessing of God that's on the way when you tell God I will go through this for your sake. It's a blessing on the way when you tell God I'm here for the long haul. It's a blessing, Embassy Church, on the way when you submit yourself to the will of God, when you out in the deep when you want to stay shallow when you don't want to put your net back out because you've already washed it but when you pull it back out and say God if you want me to I will if you want me to I will whatever miracle you want it's easy man what's not easy is getting you to say yes when you've already said no Somebody here needs to say yes in a hard place. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. If you would like more information on our church, please go to www.embassycity.com. We would love to hear from you. Our prayer is that you have been inspired and transformed. Have a wonderful day and come back again.